I chose to be happy. You and I, you and I, we're like diamonds in the sky. You're a shooting star, I see a vision of ecstasy. When you hold me, I'm alive. We're like diamonds in the sky. I knew that we'd become one right away. Oh, right away. At first sight, I felt energy of sunrise. I saw the light inside of me, so shine bright. Tonight, you and I, we're beautiful like diamonds in the sky. I do, I, so alive. We're beautiful like diamonds in the sky. That was actually beautiful. Thank you, sis. Thank you. So, wow, beautiful. I, I think that's a first in six years. <laughs> it might be. It wow. Might be. Beautiful. You stayed, in, you stayed in one key the whole time. Wow. Wow. I know. Wow. It's the growth for me. It's, it's the progress. The gro- Hello, it's a chicken salad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a chicken salad. It's a chicken salad. <laughs> Praise Hello. the Lord, niggas. How are you all? Oh, man. What a week. If you're on Patreon right now, then you get to see sister in her corporate getup. I'm talking a pink lip. I'm talking a chunky gold necklace. I'm talking a black and white. She's giving black Miranda Priestly is what she's giving. Devil wears what? Zara. (laughs) That's exactly what she's wearing. And I'm going to show you a special treat because this is my aesthetic. As as, a, as I am the quirky academic who gives business casual. Yes, let me and see. And with a splash of, <laughs> give me a sacone. With a splash. Okay. It's giving sensible flat. It's giving okay. a British gonna, commuter. Okay, I'm you know you've got I'm on your trainers. <laughs> I'm getting my trainers. I'm, I'm in a season where I just feel like th- there's so much functional fashion happening. And and just because you are wearing casual shoes. Yeah. Um, it does not mean that you can't still give, an, give a moment, give an what? aesthetic what? everywhere else. First of all, let me tell you, you know? something. Rich white men been wearing nasty jeans, <laughs> a white t-shirt, and, a, and an open button up for eternities yes. okay a button up that they purchased yes. from filene's basement and when it gets mothball uh, holes from the moths in it then they go mm-hmm. back to filene's and they get another checkered shirt to go on Listen. top of that nasty white shirt and those nasty okay. jeans and they okay. are billionaires billionaires <laughs> and i feel like there are there are sort of flats you know when mother wants to put her shoes on she absolutely will absolutely but i am just in a place where i'm not I'm not feeling hurt feet. I work too hard. Mm. My age is too big and great. Mm. I'm not going to be uncomfortable. And so I remember this time mm. when my mom mm. used to have her little her little commuter sneakers. But sneakers, the silhouettes have gotten so much more sleek and fashion forward. And what? you know, we can wear Jordans and and Air Max and and Alfred you know, Woodard's name, Amen. Okay, I'm Listen, wearing my flats. 
<laughs> but you do know I love yeah. a clog. Okay, I'm giving yes. Jamie Lee Curtis in my girl. I'm giving. <laughs> give- <laughs> well, you know I can't clog. I don't mule. You know I don't believe. You know I mule. You know, I clog. I clog boot. I, cl- I I clog uh, slingback. I clog mule. <laughs> now slingbacks I have and mules. I am very literally. What's your beef with mules again? What do you, I mean, do you feel like, like they're hooves or something? I don't believe that I don't have a beef with them. Mm-hmm. They're just not a favorite silhouette for my foot. Oh, that's how I feel about me and a wedge. I, yeah. And I feel like, you know, yeah. I'm a, I'm a woman of a particular height. I have a substantial, my foot is proportionate to my body, but it's it substantial. Is. It's not a dainty foot. Okay. And so I'm also very conscious of when you look down you know, what you see is not what other people see, but the length of the, the, the foot in the shoe is always a big problem for me because I look like I'm giving a cruise ship, a cross-country ski. That's how and I've always felt the, about Harachis. The mule sometimes makes my foot look larger than I want it to. Is that in your mind? Or is that like a foot probably, dysmorphia? Probably. It okay. probably is in my mind. It probably is. It's the same way that I feel about like Chuck's. And super flat shoes, because when I look out, when I look oh, down, yeah. I see like my foot is this long. I have an opinion <laughs> about I, Chucks in a, in a certain foot, but I, I'll shut up. <laughs> my feet are, my feet are, you know, I wear a size ten. I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm like, I don't. It's not about a, a long foot. It's not about a long and, foot. And but my foot is flat, so like okay. the whole thing hits the ground. Okay. Like, so, okay. so I feel I have to be conscious of of silhouette in a way because you know i'm a, a big girl i got a a, a, a nice size calf mm-hmm, and a mm-hmm. moderate size ankle yeah i want to be conscious of how all that comes together and sometimes mm-hmm. the mules don't set me up for success okay that's fair that's fair and it's about knowing yourself it's about the it's about the self-awareness yeah because i celebrate mules on other people's feet i think it's great but i know as for me it's just not something that it's something that uh why would i wear the mule and be self-conscious when i could just pick another shoe that i'm no, that's comfortable real in? as and i've been wearing mules since like fifth grade it's crazy actually <laughs> it is it's so nuts i think i was the only person in fifth grade with a pair of clogs on like. It took me so long to even get into Crocs. It took me years to get. People were wearing Crocs for years before I signed on. Oh, Crocs! No, Crocs is different. That's a nursing shoe Bobby or a chef me, shoe. Bobby, Bobby got me into Crocs because when we used to go to his house for the party, one day I set my fucking foot inside that Croc and said, "Oh, sister," because I thought they were the ugliest thing known to man. And the now very first are. time They're I could, no, they cute. they sincere. Well, I have I have found I found some cute we've ones. Grown, we've grown into them you with the gibbets and all of these other things. I'm saying my clear Crocs things. with the Wu Tang gibbets are flames. Okay, <laughs> I just I'm saying. <laughs> It's a different season. My pink joints with the weed plant and the chef oh, hat yeah. and the joint joint, the dice but on them, like, they're nice. The original RN, <laughs> RN shoes of choice. We was judging. Don't, don't sleep. Oh, we no, 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 no. Like, I think it was about maybe like 03, 04. I was joking around in like a journeys or something. And I was mm-hmm. like, look at these ugly ass shoes. Da, 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 da. I, I put that shoe down and put my foot in that shoe. I said, "Oh, <laughs> shut me!" I shut told you that I had feet, but that crock. I was like, "My, I never mm. knew that my arch could feel this way." Mm. Oh, they're nice. But that's how I feel about my sneakers. 
and I started wearing. I got on. I got on like a skirt suit, like a little. I know. Yeah, suit. I'm. I'm telling you, Miranda Priestly. Instead of giving a pump, I put on this cute little trainer. And everyone has been telling me all day, I love that. I love this. This mm-hmm. is so cute. This is so because it's like you wear the clothes, honey. Don't wear the clothes That's with he- you. Okay, hello. Give them to you. Make the money. Don't let the money make you. Thank you. These words to live by. These are words but to yes. live by. So Kia, as you, you all you can doing? see, is on site. I'm well. I'm busy. I have to do a lot of travel coming yeah. up. Um, so I'm getting it's a I'm busy season my, for you, Kia, Jade and Kia. It's a busy season for Jade and Kia. Kia. Growing up, you know who else is a busy season for? Crystal Jean and Furinasia. Okay, because Girl. our dear brother and sister, this are, is a milestone. Like, it's two things first and foremost. First of all, they are celebrating. 10 years of the read this weekend actually uh at the beacon theater here in new york city um and we're gonna be our faces are gonna be up in the places and so i'm just so i'm listen i'm not gonna sometimes you don't entertain foolishness and clowns right and sometimes you do and sometimes you find ways to do it um, and while, you know, there's a lot of niggas out here running their jibs, some of them have beards that look like pork chops, okay, to go up to their eyeballs. Some of them have giant, large, extremely huge teeth and minimal education. And this is coming from somebody who has a GDED. Um, and they have these opinions and these opinions be wrong, right? And you're like, how can opinions be wrong? They can be. Because y'all be talking about I'm the king of this and I'm the king of this and I started this. Unless we forget which I mean, niggas really set podcasting on the map for niggas in general 10 years ago. The record. Let's let's just like and pull out the receipts. And I'm talking CVS receipts down to the floor, nigga. Okay, let's talk I mean, about who really put podcasting on the map for black people and then the opportunity who that came through. And let's and also let's let's be classy, gentlemen. Let's not speak nasty of people who are not here to defend themselves, especially when you're going to do it in a disparaging way. But, you know, you can't expect much from from not much. So all I'm saying is let's really just let's call things things and look at who holds the, the real crowns of podcasting. Let's do that. Here. So anyway, Crystal Jean and Furinasia are celebrating 10 years of podcasting this weekend. And then also our brother and sister were nominated for an NAACP Image Award. And their place, their face is going to be in the place. And let me tell you all something. I saw Crystal Jean's dress and nigga, you all will be sick. She's going to be beautiful okay i'm gonna see it this weekend oh you are sister and i cannot wait for you to squeal i'm going to cry everyone prepare you're going to i did not but i did scream i feel like i'm going to cry in my own way i'm just readying myself for the emotions that will come because i think we have to really acknowledge that when you see something grow from the beginning man talk about it not really having any concept of what it could be um, but the but you're blessed and privileged to watch something evolve yeah. and come into being. 
you know, I'm glad you said what you said, but I don't like to get down in the weeds of mm. going back and forth with Ain't no need people. Yeah. Ain't no need in that Mm-mm. because I know what I know and what I That's know it. is <laughs> my brother and my sister have showed up week after week for 10 years hmm. and put out quality content that millions upon millions and millions of people have not only engaged with, but benefited from. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, change mm. the culture, the tone, the way in which this work was done, built a lane where mm. there was no lane. Mm. And so I'm not going to be going back and forth with people who I don't even dignify as what worthy of Take, my talk about attention. It. Talk about it. Because well, who are we even talking about? Uh-uh. Who, we, uh-uh. who are we even talking about? Okay. The two. Y'all team. got one I mean, song. I don't, even, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't even do that. And so needless to say, needless to say, this is a celebration. This is something that we have to pause and, you know, have gratitude and mm. appreciation. That's it. For. That's and it. we're going to just, we're just coming together as a family to celebrate. And, and, and that's what we're going to focus on. on. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to focus um, on. Because that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we don't have time to be wasting going back and forth with people because we have accolades to acquire. Girl, you know what I'm saying? My okay. kid got a recital. I, I had to take a quiz to for my child to make sure she gets into her recital and stuff. Are mm-hmm. So like, I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time. What y'all trying to do? Yeah, Nothing. I am not going yeah. back and forth on the internet. I have a chiropractor <laughs> appointment tomorrow. Fuck out of here. <laughs> what? <laughs> my calendar is booked. We're going to get to that in my black woman self-care. <laughs> okay. I and busy. And appointments. I have business to attend to. Sister. Talk okay, about we're it. out here doing real work, changing the game. We're seated at the right tables. I'm not worried about them tables that y'all built. Them car tables. <laughs> don't, don't nobody want them. What are the milk crates? Don't nobody want the milk worried crates. About that. Y'all, God bless you. <laughs> but it don't got nothing to do with me. I will. I don't know about the God bless you, but have the day you deserve. <laughs> but move around. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Okay. We got some trash to get into. So you, Celeste, we head that direction. I'm with it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Here we are. We have trash. And as one of the listeners likes to call um, the positive news, the recycling. I like that. Okay, so we'll call this the trash of the recycling from here on out. But whatever it is, it's still the cleanup woman. So Mm -hmm. first in the trash, I know we're going to get to the things, but I was doing a little reading, you know, a little researching. Mm-hmm. Did you know that there was talks of Janet Jackson receiving the Global Impact Award at the Grammys? I did see that. I did mm-hmm. see that. But you know what? Misogyny. People love to do more than anything Anything mm. in the world is pick on black women. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Racism and misogyny came to rear its nasty little ugly head the way that it we likes to do. They are all responsible in ways that other people are not. Because all all her team did. So for those who are not privy um, or who have not heard. So Janet, there was talks of Janet Jackson uh, allegedly getting the uh, Global Impact Award at the Grammys, which was given to Lil Wayne um, this year. Uh, And also 
that Dr. Dre award, like, so y'all, so, okay, let me get back. I'm sorry. I'm diverting. I'm veering. I'm veering. Um, so there was talks of, girl. So Janet Jackson was supposed to receive this global impact award at the Grammys. Allegedly, they were having conversations about it. Her team says, okay, but as part of the story, you know, they always play like a little background. Da, da, da. As part of this story, as part of this narrative, we need to include a, a somewhat of an apology or acknowledgement from CBS for the Gram- for the uh, for the Super Bowl because she's still being held accountable for this thing that was not in her control. You know, that is not fair and it should be acknowledged. They didn't want to do that. So there was back and forth until nobody can come to an agreement and it didn't happen. And so Jenna Jackson will continue to not get her just due or her flowers. And she's reduced to a documentary on Lifetime or what have you, when she deserves so much more for the time and the energy that she has put into her craft and into, and into her business, into her brand, into who she is. And it's so disgusting that misogyny and racism pl- it plays a bigger part in this, in somebody not getting those accolades. But but a person who was has been on the edge of glory for some time now, if we're just going to be quite honest, it's fine for them. People whose names have been tied up in all kinds of um, uh, sexual misconduct allegations and um, and so forth and so on. All types of things, people get their names get caught up in that and they are awarded all types of rewards. But a woman who was wrong, it's not even her fault can't get an acknowledgement. Make it make you know, sense. And this can't. is what we're talking about when we talk about like sort of the differences, like cheap change, hmm. real change, hmm. change that costs, change that acknowledges uh, an admission of guilt or wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the difference between sort of making the incremental changes or sort of superficial changes that suggest the commitment to equity and social justice. But yep. if you look deeper at the real practice of a place and in the real practice of an organization, I should mm-hmm. say, this is where you really sort of get to the bottom of how people, what an organization values, who they value, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So unfortunate, but we will continue to always acknowledge Janet, Demita Joe Jackson for the huh. legend and icon that she is. And we don't really need CBS. Don't. No, um, we know what time it is. We know how to give Jenna an award. And I'm hoping that the girls down to the NAACP, down to BET, down to whosoever else. Listen. You know, let's get in line and put together the tribute for Janet that she deserves. That okay? she deserves one to monkey, have. One monkey don't stop no show around here. Okay, because the Grammys is not the end all be all. As much as they like to act like they are, they are not the end all be all. Thank you very much. Every heart right now. Um, all right. So you knew we were going to get to the to the Super Bowl. Yes, Robin so, Rihanna Fenty. Before Robin Rihanna Fenty, there was Cheryl Lee Ralph. Oh yes, because the choir and the competition are back in. Let me tell you something. The Dream Girl came to out. perform on the theatric stage. <laughs> she had all of her fabric, she did. had her cape, and all her teeth. 
And <laughs> good, I mean, good alto contract. She was giving good heavy chest. Yes, she was. I was here for it. I was here for it. Oh, absolutely. Listen, I'm all the way here for Cheryl Lee Ralph getting her flowers. Cheryl Lee Ralph is another black woman who has been in the game for some time. Okay. And I'm talking before she was Moesha's stepmother, awful, wretched oh, human sure. teenager being. Oh. Um, but before that, Shirley Ralph has been around and Shirley Ralph has really put in the work and she is a lifetime, just a career, a lifetime now getting mm-hmm. her bouquets, you know, and I think and it's we are beautiful. Glad to see it. Yeah, man, I'm glad that she's here to receive them and to really like relish in them and to you know we're in the age of social media so she got her kids talking i'm resting my voice i'm not talking i'm giving common are you living in a dream world i'm holding up signs because i am going to rest these vocals because i'm performing at the super bowl because everybody's gonna know my name i'm on abbott elementary i'm doing the goddamn thing so shout out to cheryl lee ralph um and then robin rihanna fenty came through and surprised us all by bearing the most cute little baby bump um at yeah she got to be what 15 minutes pregnant how 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 pregnant you think she is so let's see okay the first baby is nine months old um wow i feel like miss mama's got was pregnant at the six week checkup not gonna hold you That happens. Um, Her kids gonna be born within the same year or something, like or within twelve months of each other. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. So it's giving I don't know what that is in math, but her bump was giving me about four or five months. And and the thing is the second you usually pop before you do with the first one. And so I think I popped somewhere around five and a half months with Noah. Um, so I'm thinking she's giving around like four, four and Mm -hmm. a half. That's just my, my estimation. My mama always said that once you get pregnant, you can get pregnant again very easily. Oh, absolutely. What do you mean? I was like, keep those nuts away from my face. I, get away. <laughs> I told you to get away from me for a while. <laughs> this is one time between my brother and I. It was 18 months apart, me and Brian. But like my mama, so she wasn't pregnant her six weeks check her but maybe six months after she were and she always tells the story of like the doctor she went to the doctor the doctor told her you pregnant and she was like oh no 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 I had my baby she's right here <laughs> and she is remember you had it just six months ago no 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 she said no she said you're having a baby no 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 I had a baby <laughs> I she had her name? see she's right her name is Kia she's right here I bought her like, no 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 you having another baby she's like I'm sorry what I'm saying say that one more time Mm. Well, congratulations mm. to ASAP, uh, the ASAP, the growing ASAP family. Yeah, I mean, they said he said I'm that going to be a ASAP. house. <laughs> that nigga name is ASAP. <laughs> okay, ASAP, 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 ASAP. And I, you know, and and I know the girls. There was varying opinions on Rihanna's performance. She's pregnant. And let's be, and I've seen Rihanna live multiple times. And Rihanna was giving me what Rihanna always gives me. 
So, you know, here we were, and, and I was pleased. She showed her face. Y'all niggas been asking for her goddamn face. Are you ungrateful? She's probably never going to show it a goddamn again. She sung her song, and it's like, what else do y'all want? What do you want? People don't need a reason to They want you to pussy pop on a cartwheel in the middle of the sky. Like, and if you don't do it... Okay, white men have stood in the same spot and held a guitar at halftime shows for decades. Sister, talk about it. Before, hello, I posted that story today. Shout out to Shariel because I got it from her. The, where they were, and Living Color is the one who, oh no, that was, a, that, yeah, Living Color is really the one yeah. who set off halftime. Mm-hmm. Before that, they said they had uh, Yippie Kayo marching, marching bands and square dancers on the stage in the middle. So shut up. Unbelievable. <laughs> Now and there's no been a little a little there's been some debates around the internet in various places. I saw an article on the root um about people who should uh and are qualified to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show in the future. Do you have any mm. thoughts on that? You got any contenders? Um one choice jumped out. Two choices jumped out at me. Okay, tell me yours. Missy I feel like and, I was going to say, have Ursher. we had one? I don't think Didn't so. Did we have a Missy? Did we have a Missy halftime show? I don't know. I don't I think so. But Usher was the one that came to mind for me. I think Usher can absolutely do. I think Usher is perfect for a Super Bowl halftime show. He's got the, he's got, definitely got the discography. I don't even know why that is yes, a question Missy, at this point. Missy had to share. Missy and Katy Perry did a Super Bowl in 2015. Oh, well that does, well that's like that's like Monet and Trinity winning at the same time. We need another. <laughs> but yeah, that's why I said I, I Usher was the first person that jumped into my brain space about Well it. definitely Usher. I think definitely Usher. I think he is the next person to do it. If Bruno Mars can do Bruno Mars has way less discography than Usher. Usher has been in the game for for thirty years. Yeah, it's late at this point. It's given like y'all should have been did that a little yeah. while ago. Yeah, what are you doing? Y'all are gonna share Lee Ralph him. We're gonna Usher's gonna start getting his flowers at sixty five. No, no, we're not gonna allow that. Yeah, we're not gonna allow that. Has has there been? Mm, never mind. I take what? that back. What? 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 <laughs> I was gonna say, has there been like a a, a Diddy bad boy? But I think I take that back. Well, if Dr. Dre, if they can do the Dr. Dre halftime show that's fair yes they can do a puffy halftime show the problem is that everybody that's worked with puffy is either physically not with us or careerly not with us because he is the grim reaper oh my 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 brother love my ass um the other star at the super bowl (laughs) was justina miles who was the interpreter for uh lit for yeah, Shirley Ralph and for Rihanna and let me tell you about how mama was giving energy. University. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she was giving energy. She also um she won in the Deaf Olympics um oh, nice. uh, some time ago she she I think she ran track. Like Miss Mama's she's in a nursing school right now like she's just and she's a young girl but she really did her thing. Uh, as the interpreter for both Cheryl Lee Ralph that. and for Rihanna. I love it. I love the energy yeah. she was given. Um, but that is it for the trash. I just wanted to keep it light and breezy. The trash and the recycling. I just wanted to keep it light yes. and breezy this week. So, 
let's just move to on to some shout outs. My sister's popping right now, like. Okay, it's time for a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. This is like watching my mama do it. Because I, you know me in tech. I'm like, so many windows. What is it? What is it? Okay, let me see. <laughs> so, we have two shout outs this week. Uh, very, very awesome shout outs. I'm really excited. And they're both recommendations from other people our first is friend to the show the lovely dr john paul um dr john paul writes and said i wanted to reach out because i have a shout out to my sis um i have a friend who is doing wonderful things for her community and really needs help as she continues to build her business and brand my friend Tori Weiston Serdon, the executive director of Youth Mentoring Action Network in Upland, California, continues to be a beacon of light for black and brown youth here in Southern California. Recently, she opened a wellness space for the youth, a space that not only helps youth grow and heal mentally, but also helps them chart out their dreams and the things they hope to make happen in their lives. During a meeting this weekend, she noted that she wanted to create a recording podcasting studio for some of the youth who are engaged in the program but needed financial support to make it happen. That's where we come in. So we want to share with our listeners about the Youth Mentoring Action Network um, to help them build the recording studio and help them get the, res- the resources for that space. Um, it goes through. They, so she noted that it goes through a lot of food, ink, et cetera. And I wanted to see if we can band together to not only help her, but the youth she continues to pour out her time and heart to. So I'm going to have that link in the description box where you guys can check out Youth Mentoring Action Network if you have five dollars to donate so that these kids uh or these these youth people can get what they need yeah let's the youth them the youth them we want to make sure that they get the resources that they need because they're our future and god knows what that's looking like right now so if you've got five dollars i mean put five on it that's all i'm saying that is all i'm saying on so many so many so much less listen so much less valuable you got more than that in the couch cushions. And then next, <laughs> we have a namesake, Jade Scott. So Jade mm-hmm. Madison Scott is a writer and producer from Tampa, Florida. She graduated from HU with a BFA in theater administration, and she returned home to start WGC Productions, which is a podcast production company dedicated to creating quality stories. So wonderful. I'm really excited about Jade because she was actually a suggestion from my cousin. My cousin hit me up and was like, she's a beautiful 21 year old who is out here really trying to do her thing. She's writing small stories and she's trying to build and collect money in order to continue to tell those stories to pour into this production network work so i'm going to have jade's information in the description box as well so you can check out seed and spark and you can check out her Mm -hmm. backstory her short stories and her podcast and all of that will be in the description box so we have a little theme this week going on with the shout out and i think both of these definitely deserve some eyes and some ears on them so make sure let's try to support as best as we can um anything helps and we're going to move on to a wonderful kitchen table because we have an awesome guest who is near awesome. and dear to both of our hearts but especially dr kia so head on over to with hey. us to the kitchen table cartier 
Rolex, Gucci, Prada, Jordan, Adidas, Bottega Veneta. At eBay, it's real or it's getting the fake out. eBay's team of luxury authenticators are making sure you never get faked over again. Watches inspected by watch aficionados, sneakers checked by legit sneakerheads, handbags examined by handbag connoisseurs, and jewelry in the scopes of experts, gemologists. These authenticators are leaders in their field with meticulous eyes, making sure your piece arrives as authentic as your style and worthy of your collection. As experts, they know the true difference between a real and a fake. Real carries that rare distinguished feel, the weight of pure platinum, the exquisite scent of Togo leather, the tight stitching on a pair of dunks, the brilliance of real diamonds. So rest assured that your Rolex moves just like a Rolex should and that colorway on your Jordan Royals will always be on point. The details inspected, the fakes rejected. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Getting Grown. We are, well, I will speak for myself. I know that you will agree, though, sis. Yes, I will. I am very, very excited about today's conversation um, because this, our, our guest is a person who is very near and dear to my heart. Um, she served on my dissertation committee. Um, and I remember, I don't know if she remembers, but I remember going to her office and asking her to be a part of my committee. And I was very scared because I was like, this lady don't know me from Adam. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> She don't know anything about me. And here I am asking her to do some more work. <laughs> and, um, but uh, I, I've heard about her work. I've been following her for many, many years um, because I felt like her research represented me in my experience in a lot of ways. And so I've always really appreciated her perspective and the voice that she adds to the discourse. Um, and she, without hesitation, agreed to be a part of my dissertation committee. Um, and so I'm very excited to share this special person with you all. So everybody, please welcome to the kitchen table, none other than Dr. Chris Marsh. Yay! Yay! Dr. Marsh is a brilliant woman who studies sociology and has done a lot of work around uh, class and um, more recently um, relationship status and class uh, and what that means for Black people, Black women more specifically. Mm -hmm. And I've just always appreciated her insight. I feel... Um, you know, I just feel very much, I feel I'm inspired by her. And so I'm excited to have her here. Uh, she has some exciting things to share, a new book coming out. So I wanted to make sure that we welcome her to the kitchen table to talk about all the great work that she's doing. So hello, Dr. Marsh. How are you? I am fantastic, Dr. Robinson. I'm so happy to be able to call you that. I remember, I was like, oh gosh, I really hope that I was on my best behavior when you came to my office. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't remember. I, I thank God I was. But it's so it's such a pleasure to call you Dr. Robinson. So I know this is kind of a more casual conversation, but please allow me to call you Dr. Robinson because I saw it happen and it still just warms my heart every yes. time I say Dr. Robinson. <laughs> Mine too. Yes, it was a good. Let day. me look, hold on. I'm about to look through these pictures because I'm about to see if I can find you, Doctor Chris, 
and my yes. uh, while I was back there snapping photos and doing, you know, Jay was at the defense. Do you remember Jay was at the defense as well? Um, but while Jade is looking for her pictures, just, uh, <laughs> tell us, tell us, you know, I gave my introduction through my personal lens, but mm-hmm. tell the people who you are and what you study. Okay. So I am a sociologist and a demographer. I've been at the University of Maryland since 08. I was tenured in 2014 and hopefully I'll be a full professor soon. I was the first black female demographer that was tenured at the University of Maryland. And I do plan Mm. to be the first black female demographer that goes from assistant to associate to full. And hopefully the Love Jones book is going to take me there. Not because I need the title, but because I want other little black and brown girls to know that they can do it too. Hell yeah, speak it. But let me tell you, so my research over the last couple of years have been trying to understand avenues into the black middle class and a consequence of being in the black middle class. And I want to pause for a second and explain why I studied the black middle class, because some people will be like, oh, Dr. Marsh is just an elitist. No, not at all. Here's what I decided early on in my academic career. I was not going to pimp the poor to make my academic career. You have Mm -hmm. scholars that don't look like me that talk about black people and talk about black poor people and talk about quote unquote, the debauchery in the ghetto and black Mm -hmm. folks have high unemployment rates, high single parent rate. I was like, listen, if we're gonna understand all the black America, I'm gonna study the black middle class. And I think it's really good to study the black middle class because you look to people who have quote unquote, done everything right. They got the degrees, they got the six and seven figure salaries, mm-hmm. they got the big houses, but their outcomes still don't look the same as other mm-hmm. racial groups. So that's when you're going to really, that's when you can mm-hmm. no longer deny that racism exists. When you compare all black America to all white America, you can easily say those people, the poor black people need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. But what about the people who did all the things right and their outcomes aren't the same? So that's why mm-hmm. I'm really emphatic about studying the black middle class. I have a new book that's coming out as a democracy. Yeah. I'm going to give you the title in a second, but I got to like, you know, work up to that. So one of the things that we know in the demographic literature is that marriage rates were changing for all racial and ethnic groups, but it was way more pronounced for Black America. So I, as a sociologist, besides just looking at the Black middle class, I wanted to look at people who were single and living alone in the Black middle class. So I have a book that just dropped last week. The name of the book is The Love Jones Cohort, Single and Living Alone in the Black Middle Class. If I can have just a moment to tell you where the title came from. Please, because okay. you know that was about to be my question. <laughs> I was so excited about the title, too. I have some colleagues that don't look like us that will call me and be like, I'm so intrigued by your book. The title, I'm like, go buy the book and find out why it's called The Love Jones Cohort. For people that look like us, they're, they mm-hmm. see the book and they're like, it's a nod to them. They're like, oh, what's mm-hmm. up? I, mean, I, I see you, Dr. Mark. I see what you're trying to do mm-hmm. right there. So I'm like really happy that I settled on The Love Jones Cohort. But part of the reason why I settled on, settled on that title is because If we think of the quintessential black middle class family or even upper middle class family, we often default to the Huxtables in the Cosby show. You had two professional adults. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, you did say upper. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about the quintessential black middle class family, you automatically default to them. Um, uh, professionals, couple kids, and um, a black picket fence. Paying mm-hmm. uh, paying respect to Mary Patillo, who does work on the black middle class. She had a book called Black Picket Fence. But mm-hmm. we started to see a character shift 
in the movie Love Jones, where you had young professionals who weren't married and didn't have any children. People often think the book is based on the storyline in Love Jones. No, it's basically just the characters in the Love Jones. And the cohort is a traditional demographic term. So I, as a scholar, I want to make sure my work is accessible. I believe the, the book is written for a commercial audience, but a lay audience, but some people have said not, ne not necessarily so. But the point is, is that I want my friends and people who didn't necessarily have access to edu higher education to be able to use terms like cohort now and know what it means. So that's why mm -hmm. I called it the Love Jones cohort, single and living alone in the black middle class. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So important. So Very. important. Because I think, especially in this, if, if I could, especially in our current context, right? I think earlier this morning I was watching a news clip, some wretched uh, uh, <laughs> congressperson, uh, white male congressperson who is uh, sort of talking about how dangerous the world has become because it has been left, it is being led by um, single, either single people or women who are not mothers. And so like in society, like he was talking about people like AOC and Kamala Harris, these like, why, why would we trust our country to be run by people who don't have a stake in it? Like we you only have a stake in the country if you are um, married and mm. or uh, a parent. And mm. so I think we are, we are living in a time when there is a lot of very polarizing discussion around um, identity and choice and um, whose voice matters. Mm -hmm. And so as a person who is not married, um, the older I get, you know, I know what it's like to be in a room um, and, and feel like you can't participate in the conversation because you're not married and you're not a parent. Mm -hmm. And so having space uh, where you talk about this lens, oh, talk about the heterogeneity of who we are as a people and how not all of us are going, you know, not all of, not all of our experiences will be, you know, partnered or parent, parent centered, mm -hmm. um, in, in, in any way. And so I think it's, it's I, I love that this book is about, um, illuminating the wide spectrum of experience that exists mm -hmm. in black America. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's a really great point. And I did not hear that about the congressperson. Mm. I was thinking about who, whether or not I was going to say their name, but I don't no. want no smoke today. <laughs> we're not going to give them, we're not going to amplify that, that nonsense. I just, you know, just as a, there is a lot of go going on, like comments around, you know, women who are in leadership positions, but don't have children and how that somehow impacts their capacity to lead. But I'm sorry, I cut you off. Right. But, but, you know, it's so funny because that's such a great comment. It's so funny how it impacts, people are arguing that it impacts their ability to lead. And I would argue that it impact, it does impact their ability to lead, but in a very positive way, because mm -hmm. in spite of being ostracized, being discriminated against, being stereotyped, they still stand confident, flat-footed in their child freeness. Mm -hmm. So because mm -hmm. of that, they clearly can lead because they're not swayed by social pressure is what that tells mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. right. If you talk about trying to find some leaders, you want to have people that are single and don't have any children. But still, right. yeah, got all the freedom. It's child-free and not childless. I'm so happy Thank that you. you did that because yes. that's something that I am moving toward myself, right? Because people look often look at you as, as 
and your singleness as a function or as a condition and not a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that is not true for anyone. <laughs> um, right. And not just for certain people. It's not true for anyone. And I have had conversations even with my mom um, um, to your point about social pressure uh, and, and have had conversations with other older women in my family and many of them who are, you know, non not married now for a number of reasons, whether by, uh, you know, losing their spouse to death or sickness or even getting mm-hmm. a divorce. Many of them talk about like, I don't, I never thought intentionally about whether or not I wanted to be partnered or married. It just sort of felt like what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like people mm-hmm. looked at me at a certain age and said, well, when are you going to get married? And I mm-hmm. felt like I had to do that as some sort of rites of passage for my adulthood. But if I would have known that I had a choice, I might have made a different one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And that's why hopefully the Love Jones cohort, the book, can give people more nuanced conversation and give them mm-hmm. a choice. There's two mm-hmm. things I'm really trying. There's a couple things I'm trying to do in the book, but two things in particular. One is I'm trying to destigmatize singlehood. I'm not going to necessarily call it my ministry. Well, I want to, well, there's three things. One, I want to sell a whole bunch of books. <laughs> <laughs> Set the attention. Number two, <laughs> I want to destigmatize singlehood. It's not necessarily my ministry, but if there's one person who opts out of or doesn't get into an oppressive, unfulfilling, and toxic relationship after reading the book, then my work here is done. But a lot of times, mm. because people don't want to wear the title of single because it is it is bastardized in a lot of ways, they end it up is. in these unproductive relationships. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. after, after reading the book, people are like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. And I hope, and I say this at the end of the book, I say, once you finish reading this book, I hope you're just as likely to ask somebody why they're single as you ask somebody, why are you married? Why are they married? We often Absolutely. ask single folks, we have to validate why we are single, but we don't yes. ask married folks why you're married and we don't wait for a coherent response because I love them. I'm going to need you to give me a little more coherency than I love mm. them. After you oh. read the book, hopefully people will be able to ask, answer, ask those questions or stop asking those questions altogether. Also <laughs> that, because why does it matter? <laughs> what 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 does it what is it going to do for the rest of this conversation? That is my pet peeve, especially like on a date. Right. If you want to talk about something that's single? going to get me to check out immediately. Absolutely. Because why, why are you I'm, single, ask sir? Me why I'm single? Why okay, are so you single? Let's so just okay, ping pong so, this back so and for forth. For your listeners, when it happens, let me tell you how you can answer that. Now, first of all, yeah, the way I can answer it now, I can say, oh, you need to pick up my book and read chapter three, paragraph four, lines. <laughs> Let me get you a link. Let me get you a link right quick. <laughs> I'll air drop it to you. Get down to your Amazon right quick and go ahead and click. It'll be here tomorrow. It'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> right. So, you know, so, you know, we could, we could say, I can do that. And y'all can be like, Go read this book called A Love Jones Cohort when they ask that question. <laughs> Skip to the afterword if you need to. Right, right, right. So you can do that too. But I think also um, when you're, and one of, the, one of the things I tell people, whenever somebody says something that's racist, sexist, homophobic, or xenophobic, um, you can always push it back on them. Like, well, what do you mean by that? And keep making them answer the question until they say, oh, never mind. But I was like, why do I have to validate my stance? I was like, no, nah, I'm going to make you, I'm going to push back. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? 
Mm-hmm. Well, you have this, this, and this. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, what do you mean by mm-hmm. that? And at some point, they're going to see the error in their ways. They're going to drop it, or they're going to be like, oh, you know. But I think it's really important that we don't. I'm, no, I'm not going to sit here and have this conversation. I'm pushing. I'm, the onus is going to be on you to explain why you think that that's an appropriate question to ask. Mm-hmm. And as sure as my name is Chris Marsh, because I've been doing a couple of talks with the book, every question that I get in the Q and A is like, "Are you available?" And I was like, you know, I'm like, please understand. And I get hate mail. I'm going to be real clear about that. People are like, you're not supporting Black America and you're not supporting Black families. That's part of the problem. Listen, I'm not going to support toxic relationships. I'm absolutely not going to do that. I'm all for mm-hmm. Black love and Black marriage if it's done right. But the way right. to do it right is to understand your singlehood. Be confident. Be happy, healthy, and whole in your, comp- in, in your singlehood. Absolutely. And then you can think about relationships. If you're going to get into a relationship simply to fill a void, that sounds like a need. And I am of the mindset that needs have an expiration. Yes, Lord. Absolutely. And once that expiration date, uh, that expir- expiration date comes to fruition, you no mm-hmm. longer need that person. Needs are fleeting and they're very fleeting. I want to be wanted, not needed. So I tell anybody, I am very com- comfortable and happy in my singleness. If, 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 am I open to it? Yeah, but you're not going to come up in here disrupting my peace. You're going to protect it and preserve it. If you can't do that, Ooh, I'm not interested. Say a word. Say a word. Value add. Okay, it's a value add over here. Okay. okay. You need to be adding value. Are you adding value? Are you I said adding- that to Kia when I before before I got married, I was single, obviously. And I was happy being single. I was actually I was very pleased, very content. I I had it, I was like, I don't actually want I don't even want a partner. <laughs> like I, I don't want that. And then it just so happened that this person came in and they added value into my life. And that's where it opened up things that I said, okay, now, now, you know, I'll be open to this. So I agree right. with you. I think that you need to be, be content with yourself and be like solidified in your own happiness while you're there. And then if somebody comes along, then cool. But I also think it's, I know there's some people who just want to be in love. What do you say to people like that? Because there's some people who are like, I love love and I just want to be in love. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. And I'm not knocking that. Mm-hmm. However, getting ready to negate everything I just said. I think oftentimes, you know, we're, this is in the month, we're in the month of February. So Valentine's Day is this month, right? It's mm-hmm. also Black History Month. So I think when we think about Black love, we need to not think about it in so um, narrow Mm-hmm. narrow-minded mm-hmm. uh, points of view. It's very short-sighted when you think it has to be romantic love. One of the yes. things that the cohort members in the book told me is that their close friends were essential to their single lifestyle. Yes. So although you may not have the romantic love, you have a not lot of non-romantic loving relationships. Don't underestimate that for some some brother or sister who may not even be about it and is just a predator and just know, sees you're lonely and will just predator will be a predator mm-hmm. and you will end up hmm. And disgusted, and you, and, you, and you treat the non-romantic relationships. You're undervaluing those. So I am saying, mm-hmm. in Black America, a lot of us have the loving relationships. They're, they just don't look like what people t- tell us it should look like. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm trying yeah. to push back. And like, that's just very narrow-minded and short-sighted. And in Black America, we definitely have those relationships. And the Black women in the book really talked about how their sister circles and their girlfriends really helped them navigate their singleness. What? Black men did not necessarily talk about it as much in the book. And one of the things that they did say is like, Black women have very non-romantic but nurturing relationships with other women. Yes. The Black yes. men in the book, in some ways, they use their, their male friends for utility purposes, like to help move a cat Couch, mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or to, to play go sports. watch a game. Said, you know, we mm-hmm. can't really have these 
non-romantic nurturing relationships with men because they may think we're soft, they may think we're gay. And so I'm trying to normalize men having non-romantic loving relationships with other men as well. Because some mm-hmm. of the cohort members just really didn't talk about that. I feel like it's, as we get older, or as I get older, I say I, I'm becoming much more uh, adept and proficient at thinking about love in more expansive ways. And so I feel Absolutely. like a lot of the ways that we've been thinking about love as a convention, like you said, has been limited to sort of romantic partnership, but also has sort of taken on this transactional sort of space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um And I think one of the things that I've been sort of working on in my own sort of personal development and growth is is really wanting to sort of feel and know and understand love beyond it being beyond that sort of transactional uh, give and take sort of Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's really important. And I could see that as being valuable for uh, when people talk about like, you know, black family, black community. And it's so interesting that people would assume that this kind of work is against, you know, the cultivation of Black family and Black community, when I feel like these conversations facilitate healthier Absolutely. and more productive conversations about Absolutely. Black family and, and Black community. So could, could you talk a little bit about some of that hate and resistance that you've gotten um, yeah. in response to doing this work and and what are some of the ways that you are responding to it? Right. And yeah, so I do get hate mail and it's so funny. It's like, okay, so you went, you took the time to type in the University of Maryland, type in sociology, scroll down to M, find my email and then send me a crap <laughs> email. I, I ain't crap. I ain't never been crap. My mama ain't crap. Mm. I was like, well, dang. <laughs> so what? For I think what? Just because they don't agree with you. Just because yeah. they don't agree because they think I need to be out here promoting black families. I am. Right. I I always have been. Why does a family have to look like a mom and a dad and a baby and a dog and a this and a that? Why is that a black family? Right. And I'm, I'm pushing back against that. And I'm just like, and see, I don't, so sometimes there are people, there's people that look like me that actually have hate mail, but sometimes you don't know who the person kind of is, but mm-hmm. I think I'm supposed to be out here saying, y'all need to work this out. You know, that struggle love, I'm not doing that struggle love thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. You married for, you married for 25 years and two of those are good. Come on now. I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. never going to promote something like that, but I mm-hmm. am promoting black family. And one of the things that I talk about in the book, two things about family, I talk about from two different perspectives. One, I'm saying, why can't we be a family of one? And this is important because I am as a single person, I'm considered a household by definition, using the Census Bureau definition, the Census Bureau mm-hmm. defines the IRS. IRS. Right. I was about to say taxes too bad. I'm going to get there one second. So the Census Bureau defines family by someone that you're related to by blood, adoption, or marriage. That's what a family is. Since I'm not related to anybody in my household, I'm considered a household, not a family. I am mm-hmm. arguing that single people, single who are living alone should be considered a family of one because they are being discriminated against in so many different ways. I'm going to give you a benign example and a more egregious example. If I want to go to get a, 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 a cell phone plan, the family plan, mm-hmm. I can't. You know, it's just me. I want the family plan rate with my one phone. Mm-hmm. If I want to go on vacation, I got to pay single occupancy rate versus double occupancy rate. I want the single family plan rate. An egregious right. example, tax structures. Tax structures benefit certain kind of married couples and it disadvantages single folks. There's a lady who's doing some work. I think her name is Dorothy Brown and she wrote a book called The Whiteness of Wealth. And her argument is, it, is that we either all file a single 
which I think is good. Or mm-hmm. I think we should all be able to follow some kind of family and we need to be able to consider, be considered, be considered a family of one. I'm not mm-hmm. big on trying to change topics and terms and stuff like that, but you are discriminating in open sight about a family of one. I want to come back to that. I want to put a pin there because the other family I want to talk about is augmented families. The other argument that I make in the book is that to the point I made earlier about how black women are developing these really nurturing relationships with other women. Mm-hmm. Why can't mm-hmm. we get together and be considered an augmented family and we develop a family and be considered a family? I'm drawing from Andrew Billingsley, older sociologist that said, Hello. he's an older sociologist, a, a, a sociologist from time, a, way back, who was arguing about these augmented families. They're not a romantic, they're not um, um, related by blood, but they're mm-hmm. true families. We have some girlfriends that we're closer to than some of our family members. Why Absolutely. can't we develop a family, especially if you're talking about middle class folks and we're talking about people who have assets? How are you going to disseminate your assets? I think I'm not getting ready to get booed up with some dude to make sure I know where my assets is going to go. Mm-hmm. But my girl mm-hmm. going to make sure my assets are taken care of. So why can't we be an augmented family? One more point I want to make, and I'm going to turn it back over. Getting back to the first point I made about family of one. Now, here's what I think is an interesting conversation. One of the things I'm arguing in the book is that we need to look at singlehood from an intersectional approach. The reason why we have to is because if we just say, oh, you got all these people that are out here being single, I do believe like people that don't look like me are choosing single. They're like, okay, we're going to do singlehood. I think when we start having a conversation about black women in particular, it's a slightly different kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand how structural forces constrain personal Mm -hmm. Mm. Period. Full stop. What you not going to do is we cannot leave it at the individual level. We cannot. So when we say, "Oh, maybe it's something about black women," you're not going to have this conversation and put it all put the onus on me and not bring in the structural conversation. The structural constraint my personal choices. So when someone asks you why you're single, you can say, "Dr. Marsh said, and I quote, page seventy-five of the book: structural forces constrain my personal choices." please. But here's but here's why I think this is really an interesting conversation. If we think about intersectionality and we think about race, class, and to some race gender in some degree class. I am making an argument that one, we need to look at singlehood from an intersectional perspective. I'm also arguing that if we think about the matrix of domination, we think about race, class, gender, we need to include singleism in that conversation. So let me get this straight. So let me get this straight. Structural forces constrain my personal choices and then you discriminate against me. That is what I would call insidious. Mm-hmm. So I'm arguing that. Now, some days I buy my argument, some days I don't. I'm just real honest about it. Because <laughs> one of the things, because one of the things, I, I don't want people to think I'm saying that singlehood is as oppressive as racism. But I do want you to think about is how we live in a partnered and married market. If we think about how racism and anti-blackness permeates every social institution, I would argue being married and partner and being the discrimination against singles permeates every social institution too. I'm not having, I'm not putting them on the same plane, but we got to have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. I love that Mm -hmm. for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. It makes me think, uh, okay, I'm going to start citing you and quoting your book as opposed to what I've been saying. Right. So as of now, when, especially women, older women, mothers, when they ask me why I'm single, I typically say it's because y'all stop raising your sons. But, <laughs> I will try. I will try to. I feel like yours is a much more diplomatic response. <laughs> but my second point that I was going to say is I, I totally buy your argument around uh, this idea um, 
that there is a level of sort of marginalization that comes by function of being single, especially in a society where there are privileges afforded to, to marriages um, that that we don't have the capacity to to access. I wonder though, where where should we be having these conversations um, and sort of like what's the first sort of place to start? Is it is it sort of getting more comfortable in our personal circles, having these conversations and bringing these things up, opening up this sort of nuance and complexity? Um, or should we be taking these kinds of conversations to different platforms and spaces to sort of move us forward in changing the language? So we answer that in two ways. So the first way I'm going to answer that is to say, yeah, I think it really is important to kind of have these conversations in our intimate circles, because I do think a lot of people think that there's something emphatically wrong with them. If I just mm. pray harder, if I just lose a little weight, if I just gain a little weight, if I just cut my mm. hair a little bit, Talk if I just press it. my hair a little, well, I think that's what the market encourages, though. Mm -hmm. I feel like all of that is a. I'm sorry, I'm just jumping in here, but <laughs> I feel like right. there's so much yeah. language around mm. that, and just to tell all of my business, forgive me, but like I, I have it's only one other girl, first cousin in my family. Um. On my mom's side, there are, there are seven grandkids, and it's only two girls. Both of us are doctors. As my grandma used to say, I got two granddaughters, and both of them is doctors, and both their heads look a mess. <laughs> but because we had natural hair, she just didn't understand why. So she just she wanted all about the creamy crack. It was, but mm -hmm. the point I'm trying to make is neither me nor my cousin. I'm sorry, Ebony. I'm telling you your business too. <laughs> neither of us are married. <laughs> But we, despite the, I guess, success that we have had in our lives professionally, you'd be surprised at how many people sort of still see us and say, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> you know. I was, like, I was like, but oh, I feel so bad for you because you're going home to somebody you don't even like, let alone love, but you in this <laughs> because you're, you're supposed to be. I'm like, yeah, I'm very, I am very happy. With my <laughs> love oh, well. spending time with me. Love spending time with me. And I got the freedom to do whatever I want to do. I don't have to be emotionally responsible for anybody else. That is freeing. Mm -hmm. That is mm -hmm. that is freedom at its absolute best. I have to be emotionally responsible for myself and only myself. Furthermore, I don't think we should be happy to be resp uh, emotionally responsible for anybody. If you are over the age of 18 and you're black and professional, you need to see yourself a therapist. I see my therapist every Monday at 10 o'clock. Every Monday, yeah. I was like, I'm going to get you You're like, oh, have me lose my mind up in here. You know, you're not. That's what you're not going to do. I love the lens that you've put on this, actually. I love it, though. And I think it's really important for all of us across the board, right? Because you talk about uh, relationships with other black women. I think even as a, as a married person, my relationships with my sisters um, do not, or my relationship with my husband does not replace the relationship I have with my chosen mm -hmm. sisters, you know, those relationships are very important. And I find my, I find myself to be in love with my sisters, you know, in that in that way. So I agree with you that being in love doesn't have to look a specific way. And I think we need to open up way more conversations around absolutely. this because it's so important. Absolutely. Right. Especially with the way is. this world is going like this is what we need. This is what we need to be talking yeah. about. 
Yeah. And I do think that sometimes what happens is that people get, people are partnered or married and they put all of their eggs in that emotional basket. And that is daunting. You need to have friends, get yourself some play dates and make sure you spend time with your partner, but also make Mm -hmm. sure you spend time with your friends. You cannot put all of that on somebody else. And that's really important. And to, to, to that point, I also want to dovetail and say, it's really interesting, like how you have a lot of marriage and family therapists that deal with like marriages and relationships. But sometimes I've lost two, two dear friends because, you know, I do, you know, I get a little sidetracked sometimes and I get like, oh, you know, I get, I get, I get, I get a little busy with work, you know, I admit. And so we, I think we need to also normalize when there's a little bit of crunchiness that happens in those friendships or their sister relationships, we can go and talk to someone. Therapy, we prioritize yeah. going to go into therapy when it's your partner, but we don't go when it's your girlfriend, especially if you want to be able to keep that relationship. We don't even have, mm-hmm. I don't even know, I'm not aware of any therapist say, hey, you having a friend breakup? You haven't divorced mm-hmm. your friend? Let's see if you can work through it. If you want to work through it, you just, you just have a divorce from your friend, you just go right on about your business. Mm-hmm. So the other way I would answer your question too, which is I think is kind of an interesting way of take, think, thinking about it. Yes, we need to have these conversations in these intimate spaces. I am now of the mindset after having written this book, and I think I, I indirectly said it in the book too. How about you pay you pay Black Americans reparations and see if that might change their experience? Miss me on anything short of that hmm. at the federal level. Well, say more about why though, because I feel like <laughs> we, need to make, we need to really be clear about that distinction. Mm-hmm. And I love what you were saying around how there are structural conditions that limit my personal choices, right? Mm-hmm. So my capacity to make choices and, and my agency as an individual person is limited by systems and structures, please. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not making a value judgment. I'm giving an example. So just go with me for a second. So they in, in the social science literature, it's called like uh, educational homogamy. You want to marry somebody of the same level. So if I, Chris Marsh, get a professional degree and I want to marry another black man, my, my dating pool is constrained. If I then make six figures, I make $150,000, my dating pool is still constra- then constrained. If I then mm-hmm. decide that I'm going to buy myself a piece of property, my dating pool is then constrained. If I build myself, if I build my, if I have a living trust or will, because I talk about all of that in the book, my dating choices are constrained. Mm-hmm. Pay black Americans reparations and we may not be there. Let's mm. level the playing field. Mm. <laughs> Bring mm. us all up to the same mm. place. Why don't you? They don't want to do that though. What? They don't want to do that. <laughs> and, and, and if we think about reparations, and you know, it's funny how like we have a conversation about relationships, but reparations come up. But reparations should be paid at the federal level to Black Americans. They should get access to capital. If we have access to capital, we might be able to date somebody on the same level of, as us. Now. Please understand what I'm saying. If that's what you want to do, don't judge anybody if they don't, if they want to date somebody on their same level. Why is it everybody th- thinks it's okay to police black women? We need to lower our standards. We too picky. We need to woman, we need a man down and woman up. Why everybody policing black women? Pay us reparations and see what we can we can make this thing work. I don't care what these people say. I don't want no nigga who work at Radio Shack. And I just I don't have no problem saying it. Now y'all not gonna make me feel bad for saying I don't want no nigga who work at Radio Shack. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what? (laughs) I go get two jobs. Right, we too picky. We too picky. If we, if we, if we, if and you know, if we, if we want to marry somebody who has the same is of the same elk as us, who's of the same socioeconomic status as us, it's a problem. Okay. Mm, People do try to demonize that a lot. Yeah. They do. Rich. <laughs> I love this because I feel like conversations about singlehood are often very limited 
mm-hmm. to the galentines and all that mm-hmm. other foolishness right mm-hmm. so so and i'm not sure say foolishness but i just feel like like you know because it's those those conversations those interactions those relationships that we have are are very important um, mm-hmm. But I do think like, you know, this this conversation I love because it's me, it sort of adds the complexity back in to uh, a conversation that for a long time has been way too polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. thinking about reframing singleness as uh, a choice um, yes. and sort yeah. of negating all of this rhetoric around mm-hmm. it being sort of the worst, like a death sentence. So one of the things I ask in the book is I ask whether or not um, people in the cohort, there are both men and women in the cohort that I interviewed. I really had to grapple with that because there were more women, women dominate the category, but I didn't want to exclude men from the conversation because again, I wanted everybody by the book. So I decided mm-hmm. to include men, but I'm glad that I did because a couple of gender differences showed up. One is about these friend networks, but then also thinking about like who's stigmatized with their singleness. And I swear as a scholar, I struggled to make meaning of what these respondents were saying. So here's mm-hmm. the, here's the take home message. Everybody thinks singles are stigmatized, but sometimes younger folks are indicting older folks. Sometimes older folks are indicting younger mm-hmm. folks. Sometimes men are indicting women. Women are indicting men in my mm-hmm. in my cohort. Mm-hmm. Was, one of the things that was really fascinating is that some people said that younger folks are more stigmatized being single. And their reasoning is because you have a larger dating pool. So since you have a lar- larger dating pool, something must be wrong with you. Once you mm-hmm. get older, people are dying off. And so you don't have as big of a dating pool. So, mm-hmm. okay, fine, we'll give you a pass. You won't be stigmatized. Then they said men are more stigmatized than women because you got that really creepy dude at the end of the block who ain't, ain't got no kids. They've been married. But then if women are single, like we're, we're, um, we're ball busters. We're the educated black bitch. Mm-hmm. And all, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that mm-hmm. on TV. I apologize. Oh, you're fine. Girl, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that out, me too. <laughs> You're good. And we're just too picky. So I really wasn't able to parse out who was more stigmatized or where the stigma where the stigma lied. But I was able to find out that one common denominator is that everybody thinks that singles are stigmatized in one way or another. And I thought that that was a really interesting com- component that came up out of the book. The other thing that was really interesting too, I talked a lot about wealth because you had people that own assets. So I wanted to know how people were um, accumulating wealth and how they were disseminating wealth. Because I wanted to know if people were like waiting until they got married to like acquire wealth and houses in particular. And mm-hmm. so, and businesses. So people, some of the cohort members were like, yeah, I got a house. I bought a house. I wasn't, I wanted to do it with a partner, but it didn't happen. So now I have my house. And if mm-hmm. I don't get married, I have to figure out how I'm going to disseminate myself, my wealth to the next generation or my house to the next generation. Because if we think about it from a social science perspective, Assets are usually, tra- or class status is usually transferred from parent to child. But if the cohort are the second largest household type in the black middle class, they don't necessarily, they don't have children, they don't have partners. Who are they going to transfer their wealth to? It becomes an, an innovative conversation and a, an important mm-hmm. discuss- discussion. And what we know is that black folks know how to be innovative. And we know mm-hmm. how to make that thing happen. So although we don't have like children, we have godchildren. We have nieces and nephews and social nieces and nephews. Yep. And we're going to transfer. And we're probably taking care of some of them now. We need to find a way to make sure that we can get the benefits, the tax benefits. Because as single folks, one of the things we do know in the literature is that singles checkbook becomes the family checkbook. We got oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Oh, Jesus. And our time in some mm-hmm. ways too, because we don't have a partner and we don't have children. 
people think we don't have obligations. So when my father has to go to the doctor's appointment, I got to fly from Cali- from Maryland all the way to California to take mm. him to a 15 minute neurology appointment. Now it's the first man that ever loved me. The first man that I ever loved, I will always do it for him. Mm. But I got my married sister, Kim, who I can't um, call on because he can't call her because she's married, but I'm 3000 miles away and she lives mm. 30 minutes away, but she's married. Okay. Mm. Makes okay. no sense. That's true. Well, she's also married to a woman, too, so I think that would have something to do with it, too. That's a conversation from another <laughs> That's something else we have to talk about within the black community, but we'll save that for another episode. So much work to do. So much work. Wow. Wow. So the, the, the bottom line of this entire conversation is by the book. I think is yeah. what is what everybody yeah. needs to do. So okay, wait. So okay, you know, I got a, I got a story for everything. Okay, so listen, when you buy the book, understand that it is written from Cambridge University Press, the top academic press in the world. I don't say that lightly because I am I feel mm-hmm. honored and highly blessed to be there. Talking about black folks that are single and living mm-hmm. alone. Now, because it is Cambridge, the introduction and chapter one are a little bit theoretical. If that's not mm-hmm. your thing, just skip to chapter two. Hold on, hold on by that. I, I wrote the book and I just perused past chapter, the introduction to chapter one. <laughs> chapter, two, chapter two, you really get a chance to hear from the respondents and they talk a lot about like their experiences being single and living alone. One thing I want to say quickly, and I'll come back to the book. One thing mm-hmm. I do want to say is like, I want to be balanced in my conversation. There were people that talked about being lonely. Loneliness and singleness does kind of like come up in conversation in tandem together mm-hmm. in conversation. And it's so funny because when we say alone, people don't, I think 10 years from now, we probably won't use the word alone. If you don't like the word alone, call it a lovely one. But anyway, when you're in your lovely oneness, sometimes people okay. talked about being lonely, but the cohort did not talk about a chronic loneliness. They talked about like situational loneliness. So you have Valentine's Day, you have New Year's Eve, but you, and so they're just a little lonely around those times, but they mm-hmm. don't jump into relationships simply because of two major holidays out of 364 days out of the year. Yes, they have one. their friends that really help them through the loneliness. So I don't mm-hmm. want to say that everything's always perfect, but they, mm-hmm. it's, it's situational, it's short term, and it's not this chronic debilitating type of loneliness. So the other thing about the book, if you don't like theory, skip on to number two, chapter two. The other thing is that my editor said, if you ever feel like you're going off on a tangent when you're talking, like when you're writing, just like how I'm talking today, he's like, put it in a footnote, but try to keep it to a minimum. So I got 120 footnotes in the book because I had some tangents I wanted Come to on. say. <laughs> but a lot of the juicy stuff is in the footnotes. Let me give you one quick example that I'll, we can end. So... I had a footnote, like I can't remember what chapter it was in, but it was empty. I didn't have a thing in the footnote. I messed up somewhere. And I was like, ooh, this is perfect because I'm going to I'm gonna show that the census for the first time ever had like a singles week. It was sometime in September. It was September 18th to September 24th, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's like singles week because 50% of the population are single, regardless of race, class, gender, sexual orientation. Almost 50% of the population. So they have like mm-hmm. a week that's dedicated to singles. A week. Okay. Thank you. Thank What's you. also so interesting about that week, September 18th to the 24th, I believe it is, mm. is that September 22nd, if I'm not mistaken, look in the book to quote me, make sure I'm not, I'm not misquoting myself, but September 22nd, 2022 is how long black women would have to work into 2022 to make what the average white male made the previous year. Yes. 264 days, if I'm not mistaken, black women have to work into 2022 to make what white yes. men, the average 
white man made in 21. Now that wow. doesn't necessarily relate directly to the book, but that's a juicy footnote. If you don't read the footnotes, you're going to miss out on that. And because I wanted you to make sure, I, mean, I want to make sure you read the footnotes. I put them at the bottom of the page. So the book is going to feel more academic, but the footnotes got the juicy stuff. Read the footnotes, please. <laughs> She's like, the footnotes got the Easter eggs. Get to the good yes. shit. Don't miss your blessing. Don't miss your blessing. I'm not going to. I'm going to get to the footnotes. And I'm going to just breeze by chapter. I'll take your advice, breeze by chapter one. And I'll just head right on into chapter two. Well, we're going to have the link. Let me tell you, I had to copy edit the book. It took me an entire day to copy edit chapters, the introduction of chapter one. I copy edited Chapter two to ten the very next day. It's a much different Listen, read when you get to chapter two. Easy okay. breezy read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I I'm love excited. that. I'm excited. Well, we love this. And this is so important. I love that. Uh, you know, hearing one of the things we say again, grown, one of the, the lessons that we learn through adulting is that two things can be true at one time. Uh-huh. Hello. And this is this is not about this is having having nuanced productions about singleness does not mean that we are partner bashing, marriage bashing, men Absolutely. bashing in any, in any particular, in, in, in any way, shape, form or fashion. Um, and this is not even to say that we're close to relationships or romantic relationships, if that is a thing, but it's just a, a, a time and a space for us to think about mm-hmm. singleness in a much more affirming and positive and, um, you know, sort of being powerfully autonomous and giving mm-hmm. black people, black women specifically, that space, that right, and permission to do to do that. Yes. Um, right. Because unfortunately, a lot of a lot of times it is often stigmatized mm-hmm. yeah. in ways that, mm-hmm. that are, are not helpful for any of us. So thank mm-hmm. you so much, Dr. Marsh, for coming yes. and sharing time and space with us at the kitchen table, being a part of our family. You are welcome back anytime. 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 Jay, thank you for having me. Dr. Robinson, I got to call you that. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a joy and a pleasure. And the energy I'm getting from you all is just so incredibly intoxicating. So thank you. Oh, the feeling is mutual. All the links will be in the description box if you're listening. So make sure you can go check out the Love Jones cohort. Link is in the description box. All of the information on Dr. Marsh is in the description box. So make sure you all go check that out and we'll see you for the next segment. I deserve Welcome back, everybody. It is time to talk self-care. My self-care is very short and straightforward and to the point this week. I'm very excited because I am... In self-care this week, I am fully taking advantage of the uh, support services available to me through my job. I have a a program assistant, somebody to help me schedule and manage my um, calendar. And I'm grateful that the Lord always puts me around Mm -hmm. strong women who remind me about my boundaries and balance and keeping things in perspective. So Mm. my new program assistant, her name is Whitney. Shout out to Whitney. Whitney pulled me to the side and said, Takia, we're going to do something about your schedule. It looks ridiculous. You don't Mm. have any buffer. You're not being diligent around um, scheduling your meal times (laughs) and your breaks. (laughs) You are, you are, you are sending emails after you're supposed to be finished. You are responding to things. And I mean, just, just holding me all kinds of accountability. Get it together, Whitney. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. 
And so shout out to Whitney and in self-care, I sat with Whitney today and we went through my calendar mm-hmm. and we put some things in place, some mm-hmm. safeguards, some guardrails, mm-hmm. uh, some do not schedule times, yes. some focus times. Mm-hmm. Um, and she told me that she was going to be diligent because she was like, you know, we have to put these guardrails in place because if not, people will run over us. Well, well. And um, she was like, you know, I allow me to be your first line of command. And tell people no on your behalf. And I, I said, like you that. have my full permission. I love that for you. Now, this is through your company or this is personal hire? This is through my company. This, yes. is, through my, this is through my company. Um, but it is also sort of making me think about what ways I can sort of put this, put these same guardrails in place as it relates to hmm. my consulting in the other areas mm-hmm. of my business life. And Absolutely. So the wheels are turning and I'm thinking very intently about how to connect these dots. So let's make it happen. I love That's that. That's my self-care. Well, in my self-care this week, you know, speaking of dot connecting and following up and things like that, uh, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, taking time to schedule the appointments that we need and really paying attention to our bodies in so many different ways. And so I started uh, trying to get that done. Um, So I started with the chiropractor. Um, Mm. You know, I like my massages, but I said, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's some things out of whack here. So I went to the chiropractor and there was definitely some things out of whack. (laughs) He was like, you're giving the man told me, he said, if you told me that you were in a car accident and suffered great whiplash, I would believe you because that is what your x-rays, your x, I don't know. Your x-rays uh, show that that is like you have severe whiplash. And I was like, what? Oh, sister, that's sh- concerning. It is. And, it, and, and, what it, and I have uh, I've clearly had repeated muscle spasms and pinched nerves. So I've oh got to I've got to get back diligent about my remember, I used to go on my very my walks, my very long walks yeah. in the park before dark. Um and my yoga and just doing all of those things because I'm prone to arthritis. You know, I already have it in this Mm -hmm. wrist. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do have some arthritic like spores in my hips right now, which is not fully developed, but what does that even mean? But it means that there's indications that (laughs) that this could fully, uh, fully blow up into a a case of arthritis. If, if I don't, you know, I just have to be mindful of inflammation and moving around and things like that. So life comes at you quickly, guys. It does Go, go to the doctor. And I, I, you know, because I work in extremes, like it's either a lot of like heavy lifting, standing for long periods of time, or it's sitting down for long periods of time recording. It is always it's in extremes and there's nothing I can do about that. So I have yeah. to just make sure that I take the pro- the proper necessary steps to pay attention and do as much as I can in the management department. It, you know, since mm-hmm. these are the directions and the routes of work that I've decided to go into. <laughs> So oh, that's right. I started off with my chiropractor appointment, but you know, we had a real day of adulting, man. I did that. I had to go and get some new fuses from Home Depot. Um, had a whole bunch of niggas calling me Empress. And, uh, Empress. And, yeah, oh, they said, oh, he- oh, hello, Empress. Hello, oh, good day, Empress. Um, and, Why you know, making no, <laughs> no dentist appointments. Like, it was oh, a lot of adulting, but it felt like, all right, well, you know what? We get shit done. 
And you feel accomplished once you have those days. It's yeah. like, wow, look at me. Look I'm at a, me. I'm in charge. Doing I'm something that I've been putting off for like seven years. <laughs> <Yeah>. Woo! <laughs> a go get a, Oh, no, I can't sing that. That's terrible. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't sing that now. Damn, Jay. Oh, wow. It sneaks up on you fat. Listen, I'm a human being. Didn't realize, you know, it sneaks up on you. And uh, I I had one of those moments. Got to take that out the mental category. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. Well, let's move on to the petty beefs. Let's move on to the petty beefs. Okay. Listen, it happened. Like, I'm not perfect. It happens. I'm not standing there. It happens. It happens. No. I mean, mistakes were made, and that's okay. Because we make them every day. We make them every day. Do you have a petty peeve? I do. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody knows I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. Petty peeves. My petty peeve. I am my petty peeve today. This week. (laughs) I, I am my petty peeve. I feel like my memory or sort of like I feel like I have so much going on like we talked about very busy lots happening and I am realizing that when I have a thought I have to act on that thought immediately because my capacity to say I'll do that later mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. about done mm-hmm. that's just about over with mm-hmm. I'm saying my petty peeves myself because in preparing for this particular trip to Seattle, I feel like I left everything at home. Like as I was landing in Seattle, I realized like, wow, I don't have that. Oh boy, I don't have that. Mm. Mm. Look at that. Mm. Like, it's like, a, I'm like a belt, mm. uh, mascara, mm-hmm. my badge, my mm-hmm. ID badge to mm-hmm. get in the building. Oh yeah, Little things, little things. And it's just like, wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> What happened? And I remember I was annoyed because I remember while I was packing, getting myself together Sunday, uh, I was in my closet uh, looking for something. And I said, oh, yeah, I got to pull my badge out. And I should have walked right then to my nightstand, got the badge and put it in my purse. Yeah. Um, so, like, I am the problem. It's me. Yeah. It's no, me. It I, I, I need to... <laughs> I need to recognize that the memory is not giving what it once gave. Mm-hmm. And so moving forward, I will do better. I will be more I speak diligent so fervently about- because I that is me. It is I am mm-hmm. you. I'm go downstairs. Every day I go downstairs and say, What did I come down here for? Oh my God. <laughs> Every day. I Every day. have you ever seen that uh I don't think maybe it was before TikTok, I don't Instagram, I don't know what it is, but the boy who did the skit about the charger, his brain and the charger. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> me all the time what did I come in here for so what I've started doing is like and that's another problem I will get up and immediately go to now I've started trying to be like alright you thought about it go do it and then I'll get to where I'm going and be like no why yeah, forget. why did I come in here forget. Again? why did I come so, in here that's the yes, thing that's and I have got to do better but that's my petty peeve what's yours uh, being called Empress in Home Depot I just <laughs> I just want to know why you all, conti- like, why y'all continue to call us by these colonial ass terms. Duchess. Duchess, Empress, Queen. I just, I, all of these, I just, all of these colonial terms. I want Queen, not so much, but Empress and Duchess. I don't want to be called that. And y'all love to do that. You love to do that. And I just, I don't want, I don't want it anymore. I told you, I used to tell, I told you about the Jamaican man way back in the day, Ballington. 
who used to speak to me in, in the old King's English. And it wasn't necessary. So you can keep that. You can. That's not something that I need. I, I don't, don't. need that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you. when I tell you, and it was like, it was fat. Well, it was not fascinating because this particular Home Depot has I'm 95% Jamaican employees. So it mm-hmm. made sense that I was called Empress more than once in one place. But it just was like, why is that the word you all are choosing to go to today? It's not even a good morning. It's the Empress. It's so random. Empress. It is. It's so random. <laughs> Yo, Jamaicans give me the craziest. I, I told you when I, when I was walking with the man, I mean, like, no, way and mock up your buddy. <laughs> said it to my homegirl, too. She said it to my homegirl, kid. Yes. I mean, like, no, way and mock up your buddy. They love commenting on tattoos. Please <laughs> leave me alone. Me hate the way you're talking to me. I hate it. <laughs> I hate that you're talking don't to me right now. That's what that kid they're saying now in the memes. They're like, well, that's why these niggas ain't talking to y'all no more because you've been telling them stop talking to you. <laughs> not in I'm order so glad. Who's missing them? Somebody missed them talking no, to you? No, not, the, not those. And if y'all still want to be talked to, then go right on down to the Home Depot in so Mill Basin. Okay, you they will have will all the conversation you. you need. Sugar you'll be objectified, all the objectification that you're looking for. Not even right in there. a disrespectful way. It just be a lot of you be accosted with empresses. <laughs> 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 it wasn't even they wasn't even cat calling like crazy. It was just like empress. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's my hateful ass petty peeve today you know it doesn't have anything to do with anything and really that man didn't wish no harm on me so i hope he has a beautiful day i do wish that on some people um and that is the end of our show this week thank you to dr chris yes yes oh yes thank you for your patience i mean y'all didn't have no choice so much (laughs) <laughs> right, but yesterday Jade and I convened to record the the episode after our um, recording with the guests and the Wi-Fi at my hotel was not given what she it said, was. She said, uh, get somebody else to do it. Literally. And mm-hmm. I, we troubleshooted and I was on line with technical assistance mm-hmm. for an hour, but between that and the time difference, it just didn't work. So we uh, had to pivot a little bit, but thank y'all for waiting. We hope the episode was worth the wait. I truly enjoyed learning more about Dr. Marsh's work. Yes. And let's think about all of the new and nuanced ways we can talk about singlehood, honey, because mm. it's giving. It's giving options. It's yeah. giving autonomy. It's giving agency. It's giving we don't we 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 can build and choose to lead the lives that we Absolutely. want without any social pressure. And um, I found so. it beautiful this year that so many um, people, you know, on Love Day, if that's your thing, chose mm-hmm. to to post about their community or about mm-hmm. the love for themselves. Uh, and it wasn't just romantic focus. And I think a combination of all types of love is so important for us to um, take a look at and pay attention to. You know, it doesn't look one way, so... I love yeah. the, I love that conversation with Dr. Chris, and I'm really, really uh, grateful that she came and shared space with us. Make sure you all check out her book, The Love Jones Cohort. Oh, yes. All the information will be in the description box. And sister, take us out and tell us what to do. Continue to drink as much 
water as you can to moisturize your insides. You always want to remember to moisturize your mind by attending to the business that is yours and yours alone. Mm -hmm. And you always want to moisturize your skin. Why, sis? Because your black will crack if it's dry. That's it. Bye-bye.